Hey, thank you for tuning in to the Fountain Podcast. We pray that this message blesses you and helps you to see Jesus clearly, love him deeply, and follow him wholeheartedly. Let's dive in. Last week, we started a two-week series on Make an Exit. So last week, we talked about embracing, and I'm going to close it up with beholding. Now, has there ever been a moment, I think the answer is yes, but I'm still going to ask it. Have you ever had a moment when you just set your heart on something, and you just couldn't think about anything else? You know that Friday evening where you're like, man, I, I, I want to get off work. I'm going to put my feet up. I'm going to watch a movie. I don't care what I eat, but I'm just going to eat, and I'm going to eat a lot of it. Okay, I got some witnesses here. Okay, great. We know what it's like, right? We're saying, man, when those pairs of shoes come out or that car comes out or that whatever thing comes out, it's like, whoo, calendar's marked. I'm ready to go. I'm the first one in line. I'm going to do what I have to do. Well, I had a similar moment like this, and, I, and I've used this story before, but I think it still proves a point, so I'm still going to say it. You know, th- there was like, this is like years ago, but man, I just, I'm, I'm a foodie. You guys, I know. I, I'm a, I love food. Actually, no, let me clarify. I like good food. I don't just like any food. I like, I like good food. And so, I don't know. I was like, man, I'm just like, and this is going to get spiritual, so just hang with me. Don't like lose track. Is, I, I, I love donuts. I love good donuts. I love classic donuts. I love, I love donuts that just, I feel like a good donut, really, it points to the glory of God taste and see he is good oh my goodness and so I but 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 but, so that's just me okay in real just in real time but this desire was more than usual and I'm like man why I'm I'm just like that's all I'm thinking about right now like 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 I just like I'm distracted what is wrong and I don't know if it was the Holy Spirit or what happened but I thought to myself man like how many social media donut accounts am I following right now and so I go through my Instagram, I'm like, one, two, ooh, past five, that's, that's probably not healthy. I, I, I was following 12 accounts, guys, 12. And then it gets worse, because I'm looking, I'm like, I, I haven't even been here before. Why am I following you? You're, you're out of state. Like there, there, is like, there is some stuff that needs to be dealt with, and I'm not okay with it right now. And I, and I, just, I just realized, maybe you've realized too, that the power of our sight, where I'm just, I'm just trying to scroll, you know, I'm trying to have a good little feed. I wasn't, that wasn't on purpose, feed, you get it? Okay, never mind, all right. I was like, my sight was being affected so much by just what I was looking at and seeing, so much it was affecting my desires, my focus was definitely suffering in that moment. A lot of things were suffering by what I was looking at my sight. Now, we all know how important it is for us to see. We know that when we can't see, a lot of things are emotion. One is, honestly, just even our own experiences. Like, no one goes to the Grand Canyon in hopes that they can't see the beauty that's there. No one, you know, goes, like, for, you know, gridlock traffic in the city to see the Golden Gate Bridge. Oh, great. I can't see it. There's fog everywhere. Nobody, nobody says that. So when we can't see, it affects our experiences, but also it affects our direction. When things are fuzzy, when things are a little unclear, when things are blurry, we just can't see as well. But, but also, 
So our experience, our direction, but also our, um, our safety. When we can't see properly, we could be going off a cliff, we could be tripping. There might even be an opportunity from the Lord, but we just can't see because, because it's foggy. So we know the importance of our physical sight. How much more are our spiritual sight? I would say it this way. Our spiritual sight influences every part of our life. So as much as our physical eyes, I can see right now with my glasses, our spiritual sight is even more important. It affects every part of our lives. It affects how we see Jesus. Our mission statement is that we want every person to see Jesus clearly. Love him deeply. Follow him wholeheartedly. How many of you guys know that you don't just see him clearly once? You're seeing him clearly more and more through the gospel and his goodness and through scripture, through what scripture says and what the Holy Spirit reveals to us. So we want to see him clearly. And we know what it's like that when we're not seeing him clearly, everything else is just a little foggy and fuzzy. And even when we, when we can't see spiritually clear, we don't even see ourselves the right way. There might be some shame there might be some guilt. There might be some, maybe even some unforgiveness towards ourselves. Because then we might even know the right answers, but we just can't, we can't see spiritually. You know, there was a time when our phones didn't tell us where to go on, on GPS. And I don't even, I can't, honest, I can't even imagine that day anymore. Like, what did we do without cell phones? It's, it's pathetic, just to think about it. But I remember... I think maybe it was my senior year in high school. Maybe, I don't whatever it was. But I remember it was a Friday night. I was going to a friend's house. And this was before I had glasses. And I didn't realize that, like, literally, I'm, like, almost legally blind in California. Like, legally blind is 100-100 vision. I was 80-100. And so, literally, like, I forgot to print out my MapQuest directions from the printer. If youth group, you were like, what's a MapQuest? You're not missing out on anything. Even back then in its heyday, it was pretty terrible. And so I remember I, I, I left at home my 20-page map quest just to go five miles. And literally, like, I, I literally can't see. And so I'm, it's so embarrassing. Like, I'm in a residential area, and I'm getting my car as close as I can to see a little sign. Park Place? What, what is that, right? I mean, a five-minute drive literally took me 30 minutes. It was, it was pretty embarrassing. And so, but that's a small picture of what it's like when we're trying to see what the Holy Spirit giving us direction. And it's so easy when things are fuzzy and unclear. I got this. I'm going to figure this out. And five minutes turns into a very long time, a wasted time. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, really understood this. You know, he, he wrote a letter to the church in Ephesus. And this is a really good, just nugget in general, that when you see Paul's letters in the New Testament, it usually follows this rhythm. He'll tell us who God is, and he'll tell us what he's done through Jesus. And then after that, he'll move into, this is who you are, and this is how your life should respond to his grace. And what that is, is just a simple gospel rhythm. That we don't start with ourselves, we start with him. We start with how, how good he is, his character, what God, Christ has done, and then from there, our life should overflow. So Paul does that in Ephesians chapter 1. And I'm going to give a really quick summary. He tells us, that we have been chosen by Jesus, that he's died for us, we're forgiven, we're accepted. It was in his pleasure to adopt us as sons and daughters. We've been redeemed. 
And now he moves on to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16, and he prays his prayer. I pray for you constantly asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he's called, his holy people who are, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I love this picture because what Paul wasn't praying wasn't more knowledge because he just gave them more knowledge just a moment ago. And, and, and we'll talk about this later, is that information and knowledge is not the enemy to transformation. It just won't lead to transformation by itself. We need the Holy Spirit for that. But there are some things that we need to know about God. There are some things that we need to know about what he's done through us through Jesus. So he, he, he lays out who we are in Christ, who he is, but then he prays his prayer. God, give them wisdom. Give them insight. Some translations say revelation. And revelation doesn't mean this spooky or even like this, like, you know, the heavens open, the lights on, and I just have this moment. It could mean that, but it's not as mysterious as we sometimes think that it is. That word insight, it means that the things that we didn't know before, now we know how to act upon them. Where before it was like, oh, that's cool. Pastor Matt preached on this, and I got this from my small group. And it's like, oh, I got it. I need, I, I need to walk in that authority. I need, I need to walk in that grace that God has given me. And so what Paul was praying is that these things that are already true, that you would start walking in them. Insight, revelation. Was, and how does he do that? I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light. What Paul's talking about is, I want you to spiritually see. The things that are fuzzy, the things that aren't clear, the things that maybe you just, that just are not, um, you're not seeing right, it's going to be through the Holy Spirit illuminating God's word in his spirit inside of your heart. Some of you might be saying, Pastor Chris, I want that. I'm trying to see, but I can't. Like, I, I love this. I receive that. Amen. Don't apart. That was okay. But this part, like, I'm, I'm up for that. There's some things that can affect our sight. And John knows that. First John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message we've heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. John is making a very important theological statement. That God is light. He's perfect. He's fully holy. There are no shadows in him. Darkness being sin Darkness being things that, 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 that are shady, that, that are spotty, and that in the presence of God, like Pastor Jackie said earlier, is that pride can exist with, with the presence of God. Is that no darkness can ever be in the presence of his glorious light. And so what John is saying is, listen, God is light. There's no darkness in him at all. So we're, so we're lying if we say we have fellowship with God but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But we are living, but if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So Paul is making, uh, John is making this really important point. God is light, there's no darkness in the hall, and so we are lying if we say that there is no darkness in us at all. 
Now, here, here, here's the beautiful part about this, is that we're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. So what John isn't saying is if you just sin, you're just always in darkness. But what he's saying is that, but if we go on living in spiritual darkness, we're lying because we're not practicing the truth. What John is saying is that sin will affect our sight. Sin will affect how we see God. Sin will affect how we see one another. Sin will actually affect how we see ourselves. So it's not a matter if you're, if you're not sinning, but it's a matter of can you see it? Because when you're in his glorious light, God is so gracious, God is so kind, he'll expose it and he'll show you. I would say it this way, spiritual blindness leads to self-deception. And so I would even say this, if you look back in this last season and, and, you're, and you can't pinpoint, you know, God is really doing this inside of my heart. God is working on my pride. God is working on my impatience. God is, I would say, look back at the cross. Look back at his light because in his light, God doesn't just want to expose to reveal you, but he wants to heal you. But it's only through his light. So can I encourage you right now, if you can't see right now, that is an opportunity um, for God to make your sight to be able to see again. And he does that through his kindness. And so I want to look really briefly at David. And if anyone knows about darkness, it's David. It's because he was anointed king. He was ready to go. God told him, you're my guy. But Saul didn't want that at all. So literally David is in dark caves, running away, trying to figure things out on the go. This is supposed to be God's timing, but I'm, I'm trying to figure this out. So this is what David says in Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. Why should I tremble? We got to pause on this. Because when David says that he is my light, what a powerful picture is that even though darkness is surrounding him right now, things aren't the way that it should be, God is still his light. And he also says that God is my what? My salvation. Really what, God, what David's saying is, is that God, you are my deliverance. You are my deliverer. This is such a rich statement because what, what, what I'm assuming is that when David is writing this by the authority and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is that he's thinking of not just his deliverance, but he's thinking of the deliverance of his people. He's thinking about Moses. He's thinking about what God did in Egypt, part in the Red Sea, where literally they saw the Egyptians fall and died, and God delivered them literally from slavery. So as David is writing this, I'm sure that was in his, in his mind. I'm sure even David was thinking about his own personal experiences, where literally lions and bears would come after him, but he would take care of them by God's power. A Goliath came after David. And by the power of God, he took care of Goliath. So when David is saying that, God, you're my light and you're my salvation, he's just recalling the stories of what God's done in his life. And so there are plenty of times when we can't see, but we can always recall what God's done for us. We can recall 
It's not a silver bullet, but it will help you to see again. Recall. And there might be times where you're like, I can't think of one thing to recall where God's delivered me from. I got one thing for you. Sin and death in the grave. If you can't think of one thing right now, just praise the Lord that he has delivered you from, from, from darkness. And he's literally transferred you from the place of darkness to his glorious kingdom. He's my light. He's my salvation. He's my fortress. He is what secures me. He goes on and says this in verse, uh, verse 2 through 3. When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. I remember, I think this was like later on in 2020 when we were like fully, fully, fully like locked down. And I'm like, man, like I need to get some new glasses. But my, my, uh, my prescription um, was out, but nothing was open. I'm like, this is not, this is not good. Um, but the, the retailer that I went through, I'm not like any business, they developed an online whatever I needed. And I was like, man, this sounds convenient, but how do you do an online eye exam? <laughs> they did it somehow. And no shame, I still love their glasses. I'm wearing them right now. But I was like, I don't know. I feel like you're trying to figure things out and... Um, We'll just see what happens. So literally, like, I open up my MacBook, and <laughs> it said, you know, stand 15 feet away. Can you see the letter? I'm like, yes, yes. I'm like, I could be standing up. I could be over here. How do they even know this is real? <laughs> Sorry, I'm, now that I'm thinking, I'm kind of frustrated by that. It was not a good process. <laughs> and so, long story short, I got my prescription. I got my glasses. But I started getting headaches more than usual. And six months in, I'm like, man, I'm getting a headache like, like four or five times a day. My relationship with ibuprofen is getting like, it's not solid right now. Like, we got to figure this out. And so literally, like, uh, at some point, they open up again. I went in for a real eye exam. And guess what? The prescription was wrong. They said, actually, your eyes got a little bit better. And so um, because you had a real test, now we can actually give you a real prescription. And I just think it's a, it's a beautiful picture of what David's saying right now is that he is going through a real vision test. He knows how good God is. He knows like what God's done, but it doesn't exclude him from the actual testing of his sight. A mighty army is surrounding me. Uh, they want me to stumble and fall. My enemies are trying to attack me. So really, the, the test of our vision isn't when we're on the mountaintop, but when we're going through some difficult times. So when you're shaken, really what the question is, is that what's the source of your sight? Is it God's glory and, and goodness? Is it what God wants to do inside of you? Or are we running to different things? And if you are, this is an opportunity for your source to be the right source in Jesus. So David said, hey, he's my light. He's my salvation. He's my fortress. Though a mighty army surrounds me, I will remain confident in God. But this is the part where I'm like, I don't, it's, it's hard to comprehend this. The one thing I ask the Lord, the one thing that I seek is to live in the house of the Lord in all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. This is when we're reading scripture, we really got to read it. 
David's in a cave, guys. He's running away. Yes, God has got him in a good place internally, but life's still tough right now. Literally, he's, he's saying a moment ago that my enemies are coming to devour me. That does not sound pleasant at all. And so maybe you're like me. When I'm in a tough spot, I'm looking for an escape route. I'm looking to get out. I'm looking, God, how can I just get out of this? And David, what he's saying is the one thing that I ask that literally means petition. He's saying, God, out of all these things, I don't just want you to deliver me, but I, I want to be in your presence. I want to know you more. David, that's the only thing that you're asking for? No, no, it doesn't mean that's the only thing he's asking for. He's saying, that's the main thing that I'm asking for. Yes, I want you to deliver me. Yes, I want you to, you know, do all these things I know that you're, you promised that you are going to do. But the main thing that I want, the main thing I'm asking for is you. And, and, and we know what that's like where if it's your birthday or if it's Christmas or it's, I don't know, it's just something, right? And it's like people can give you all these different things, but in your heart you're like, man, if I got that one thing, I don't care if I got anything else. You can give me all these other things, but I got that one thing. I'm good. David's like, Jesus, God, you are my one thing. If I have you, I have everything else. And, and it goes on to say that I want to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections. I love this word delight in the Hebrew. It means to contemplate with pleasure. What a beautiful picture that in David's life, things are going array, but he is contemplating who God is, and it's, and, and, and it's bringing him pleasure. Really what David is saying is that he has an unbroken uh, gaze on Jesus. That he just can't keep his eyes off of him because of how, how good he is. Verse 5, for he will conceal me, there when trouble comes, he will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. I can't help but to think of where David is. He's a shepherd, but he also understands who his greater shepherd is in God. And you remember in Psalm 23 that when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, his rod and his staff, they comfort me because you're close to me. It's almost like David understood that even though life got harder, God could still get closer. Even though things can be difficult, God can still restore our sight. So if you're taking notes, I would say it this way, is that you become what you behold. It's not that David wasn't experiencing difficulty. It's not that David didn't maybe possibly have anxiety. It's not that David wasn't Again, if you read the story of David's life, there were some struggles there. But the main thing that he wanted, and this is why Scripture says that he was a man after God's own heart, is because he knew what to behold. He knew how to get with God, even though everything was tough. I, I always like to, not always, but I, I, I share this part of my testimony a lot because I, I think it's going to help. You know, I, I know growing up in middle school and high school and part of, of and being in college, I struggled with lust. Um, and when it came to pornography, when it came to those areas, um, I really found myself in places that I did, just didn't want to be in. And uh, Pastor Matt said this, I think, last week, that a pornography problem is really a worship problem. And I just remember 
that in those moments of hardship and difficulty, that really I look at hindsight, that the reason why I didn't move forward is because I was trying to avoid the things that I, wanted, I didn't want to become. I didn't want to become this. I didn't want to become that. And so I felt myself in a perpetual cycle. And then you start praying prayers like this. And maybe you pray this prayer before God, man, I'll never do this again. Please help me. And please do this for me if, if this doesn't happen. And it's like, oh, it really wasn't the heart of the gospel and what God wanted to do. So I remember uh, I was praying one day and I was just, I was just discouraged, disillusioned. I was just like, I, I, I feel stuck right now. And I remember telling the Lord, Lord, I am, uh, I'm just stuck and I hate this. And I remember the Lord saying back to me, Chris, you don't hate this and you're not tired of this. You know when, like, your parents said something to you, you're like, huh. Like, how do I respond? I don't know how to respond to that. And so to the Lord, I'm like, you got to, like, help me out right now. <laughs> like, what are you saying? And what he told me is that, Chris, is that it's not that you're tired of this, but you're tired of believing that I can't overcome this in your life. You're, you're, you're tired of believing that I can't heal you. You're tired that your faith has grown so weak that you don't even really believe I can heal you from this. And I just realized I was focusing on the wrong thing. I was focusing on all the wrong things, and I wasn't focusing on him, his grace, his goodness. And so we become what we behold. Maybe you're struggling right now with busyness, being a workaholic, being an achiever. There's nothing wrong with being an achiever, but then when that becomes your identity, when that becomes something that if you don't have that, it just destroys you, you, got, you want to behold something else. And so what are you beholding? And so what I want to do at this closing part is I want to help us in, in, in two different ways. Not the only ways, but there are two ways where God wants to shape our sight, okay? The first one is this, is theology. Theology is knowing what's true about God and others. So when I say theology, what I'm saying is that you understand who God is through the scriptures, and it's helping you to understand how to relate to him, how to approach him, and really who God is. This is such a big deal. It's because theology helps correct our vision. Theology helps us to really see him, ourselves, and so we need to have a great diet of the scripture in our lives. I think sometimes if we're not careful, we say silly things like, I don't want to read my Bible every day because I don't become a Pharisee. Even just saying it's like, that's pretty comical. But we say it all the time. I've said it before. Where it's like, man, if I, if I develop a really good rhythm of discipline of the Bible, I don't want to become religious. You know, what made the Pharisees, the Pharisees wasn't their biblical knowledge, but it was the motivation behind it. It was that they wanted power for themselves. They wanted to, um, they thought that performance for themselves and pleasing others, then that would get them good with God. But knowledge, education is not the enemy to transformation. More knowledge isn't going to hurt you. Now, if you use it to puff yourself up, that's a different conversation. But there are some things that we need to know about God. And Paul made that so clear to Timothy. In the last days, people will only follow what their itchy ears are wanting to hear. 
So how do we get that itch? We got to have the right thing. And so remember this in, um, in the Gospel of Luke. When, when Jesus, he's already resurrected. There's the two men in Emmaus. And long story short, Jesus is like, guys, what are you talking about? And they give this whole picture of the crucifixion, how they thought Jesus was going to like take on Rome by force, and now it's over because he's dead, the tomb's empty, and they're discouraged. And here's his response. Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets write in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures concerning himself. So what did he do in their discouragement? What did he do with them lacking a scene? He took them through the scriptures. Let me help you to understand. And what's so powerful about that is that they didn't know that he, like the Lord was talking to them, but they didn't even realize, oh, he, he's the Lord right now. So they offer, hey, you come to my house. What you're saying, this, is, this sounds really good. Come to my house, let's have some dinner. And immediately as they break bread, their eyes were open and they're like oh snap like that's him and jesus i'm out see you later but i love but i love the response where luke says is that weren't our hearts burning when the script when he was explaining the scriptures to us god wants to do that same passion and burning inside of our hearts this is why i love our vision this year of h2o Hospitality based on Acts 2.42, that the disciples, what do they do? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to prayer, to communion, to fellowship. We need to devote ourselves to all those four, but especially Scripture so we can see them clearly. So we need theology, but we also, oh, I'm going to skip that. But we also need freedom. Theology is knowing and believing what's true about God, but freedom is actually living out what's true about God and others. So, so and, and these can overlap. They're not exclusive, but I think it's important to understand theology, you're understanding, you're knowing, but freedom, I actually can walk this out. You know, I, I, had, a, I had a crook neck for a while, but I never went to, um, oh, what a, thank you. You guys are good. I was like, man, this is not common. This is not good right now. <laughs> and I would see videos of how, you know, of chiropractors and, and YouTube. But my neck, I would watch neck videos, and they would do, like, ninja kung fu, twist them, like, five times. And I'm like, that can't be healthy. Like, I'm not okay with that. And so, but I, I, I went there, and he did the whole twist, five, you know, five laps around. But it felt great. I was super scared, but I did it. And I remember in just one session... Like, my, my um, being able to turn my neck, like, I, I got, like, 80% of it back just in one session. And I thought, man, I've been living with this for a year, and I allowed myself to be okay with, with being restricted. And that's what lacking freedom in an area will do. God has made you free. You might even know the right things and what to say, but you're restricted in those areas. And... 
It reminded me of Abraham and Sarah. You guys know Abraham, Genesis 12. God's like, hey, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless the whole world through you. But then we get to Genesis 15, and he's like, man, I love what you're doing, God, but I still don't have a son. So that's just been a pain point for them, pain point. Finally, the angels of the Lord, they visited Abraham and Sarah. They told them that, hey, you guys are going to have a son. And this is what it says, Genesis 18. Then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year, and your wife Sarah will have a son. Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. Abraham and Sarah were both very old by the time, by this time, and Sarah was long past the age of having children. So she laughed silently to herself and said, How could a worn-out woman like me enjoy such pleasure? Especially when my master, my husband, is also old. Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Sarah was afraid, so she denied it, saying, I didn't laugh. But the Lord said, no, you did laugh. You did laugh. And I just thought, how many times where God has promised something, he said it, but we're not seeing it, and we're trying to have the right answers, but really in our hearts, it's just difficult, it's hard. And I think what happens is that along the way in those hard places that we pick up things in our hearts that we just don't even realize. We pick up things inside of our heart that, that just aren't good for us. And so to land the plane here, when it comes to the freedom aspect of it, the things that you know, the things that you understand, but that are still hard, that are still difficult, and you feel like you've kind of had a stiff arm to Jesus, give him access. Give him access to those places. We need theology. We need resources. We need all those things. But principles will never replace God's power. Love principles. I, I love getting practical. I love, hey, like, what's a better hack? But there's no hacks to freedom. It's just Jesus. And so we need to lean into what God is speaking. So we need great theology. We need God to help us to see. And then when we see it's not just our own strength, but we need the Lord. We need freedom. We need him to do that inside of our hearts through, through us giving him access to those hard and those difficult places. So God wants us to see. God wants us to see him clearly. He wants us to be able to, even when we're in the cave like David, all these things could be surrounding us. But the one thing that we need is his presence and his goodness. Can I just encourage you? Get into his presence get some theology, get some freedom, get in his presence, and you're going to see God do something incredible. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you just for your presence, God, for your goodness. Lord, you're so worthy of our praise. You're so worthy, God, of our whole lives. You might be here this morning, and you're crying out in your heart, I want to see I want to see Jesus. And I got some great news is that he helps to see because he died for us. He took our place. He took our sins away. And that he lived the life that we couldn't live ourselves. So he doesn't just want to restore our sight, but he wants to bring us home again. And he does that through his grace and his mercy. Salvation is a gift that you can't earn but you can only receive through believing in Jesus 
Hallelujah. So if you're, if you're in this room today and you've never made the decision to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, I just want to ask that you, you would look up right now and I just want to agree with you in prayer that God would do that inside of you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, I see that face. Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God, I thank you, God, for the head that was lifted, God. And God, even for the hearts, God, are saying that I need you. I want you right now. So God, we just thank you, God, for what you did, God, in this service. God, Lord, we're believing. God, I'm believing, God, that what you said and what you did, God, is not just going to stay here, God, but Lord, it's going to overflow into our lives, God. Lord, help us to see you clearly, God, through your word and through your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we give God some glory right now? Hallelujah. Thank you again for tuning in to the Fountain Podcast, where our heart is to lead people to see Jesus clearly, love him deeply, and follow him wholeheartedly. You can also find more content by following us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and by downloading our app.